Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Psalm 37 verse 4 says this, Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I'll read that again. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Back in the 90s there was a Swedish rock group named Roxette. Uh, and um, some of their songs are still played on easy listening stations today. Uh, one of their most famous songs was a song called Listen to Your Heart. I don't know if you remember it. Listen to your heart when it's calling for you. Listen to your heart. Anyway, thank you very much. You can get that out the front too. Um, anyway, that's the title of my message this morning, Listen to Your Heart. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I just ask and pray that you'll help us to have a spirit of discernment, to know your will and know your ways. Help us to hear your voice. I thank you and praise you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was a, I didn't become a Christian really till I was 19 years of age, but I grew up in the church. And growing up in the church, I always had my favorite verse of the Bible, even though I wasn't a Christian. My favorite verse in the Bible was Psalm 37, verse 4 Delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. I think it was my favorite verse because I didn't really understand what it meant. I actually thought it meant that if you give your life to God, He's going to give you everything that you want. But that's not actually what it means. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. What that means is this, that as you delight in him, he starts putting desires in your heart. And those are the things that he wants to see come to pass. So what that means is this, there are times in our life where we actually need to listen to our heart. There are times when it comes to certain situations that the right thing to do is actually the thing that's in our heart. The heart is the seat of the emotions. It's the birthplace of our desires. Now, I want to bring a little bit of balance to what I'm saying. I'm not saying that automatically every desire that you have is automatically from God. I mean, the Bible says that there's the potential for a thing called sinful desires. So what that means is this. If you have a desire and it's naughty... it's not God. (laughs) It's not like, you know, I've just been feeling really grieved in my spirit about how the banks are overcharging people. And I just really feel in my heart, God wants me to rob a bank. (laughs) No, that's naughty. (laughs) But make no, so we need to measure our desires against the Word of God. The Word of God is primary. But make no mistake, there are times when we need to listen to our heart. So I want to talk to you this morning about three times as Christians we need to listen to our heart. Three circumstances when if we're not sure what to do, the thing we should do is actually listen to what our heart is saying. The first time when we need to listen to our heart is in regards to seeking God's direction. Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. So that is talking about when we're seeking God's direction, that some, there are many times when we need to listen to our heart. That's especially so when it comes to passions and burdens that God actually gives us. That there are times in our life we get a passion for a cause and a burden for it. Have you ever had a passion for a cause and then got ticked off with everyone else because you realised no one else was passionate about that same thing? 
And you think to yourself, what is wrong with these people? But what is actually happening is God is actually stirring up your heart in order for you to do something about it. One of my favorite books in the Bible is the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. And essentially it talks about this man named Nehemiah who used to, who was you know, like a steward to the king, he used to serve the king his food, and how God used him to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down. The thing about this was that basically that uh, Nehemiah would, off, would serve the king his food and he would have to have a happy face and countenance when he served him. But one day before serving the king his food, he had got news from people back in Jerusalem that the walls of Jerusalem were still broken down and hadn't been rebuilt and Jerusalem was his hometown. He was so upset about it that when he served the king his food, he looked unhappy. That was unusual for him. And so the king looked at him and said to him, what's wrong with you? Why are you unhappy? And Nehemiah said, well, how can I be happy? I've just found out that the walls of Jerusalem are broken down. And so that set off a chain of events where the king released Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls, walls that had remained unbuilt for many, many years. But Nehemiah went back, marshaled people together and rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days. Now, that's a pretty big deal. But the interesting thing for me about all of this is the fact that Nehemiah would have already known beforehand that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down. When he was told the walls were broken down and he got upset about it, it wasn't new news to him. How do we know this? Because it was his king, the man that he used to serve every day, that initially commanded that the walls of Jerusalem weren't be, were not to be rebuilt. So watch this. Nehemiah got a burden and a passion about something that he already knew. What was happening? God was stirring up his heart in order to get him to move in a particular direction. Very often you can tell when God's stirring you up, when you get passionate about something. When your heart goes towards somewhere, that's often a sign and indication that God might be directing you in a particular direction. We can actually use this principle as well when it comes to situations and choices that we have. Now, the Bible says in Mark chapter 11, verse 24, it says, Jesus says, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Now, where the comma lies in that verse is very important. I mean, it doesn't say whatever things you desire, comma, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. It doesn't say that. It says whatever things you desire when you pray, comma, Believe that you'll receive them and you'll have them. What that means is this. As we pray, desires get birthed and those are the things that God actually wants to see come to pass in our life. And so very often you might have a whole list of situations and even right now in January, you've got decisions that you have to make for 2017 and you might have another number of options and you're not sure which one to take. Why don't you pray about it and then eventually a desire will form and that will be the direction that God wants you to go. Using this scripture prophetically, there's this um, story in the Bible where it talks about, Moses, uh, talks about Aaron, who was the brother of Moses. His leadership was questioned amongst the people. And so Moses said to Aaron, okay, give me your rod. And he grabbed Aaron's rod and he, la- and he said, now I want to get the tribal leader's rods. And they grabbed the tribal leader's rods and then they grabbed them and they laid them out before the Lord overnight. The Bible said when they came back in the next morning that Aaron's rod had budded. And that was a sign from the Lord that this is the man who's actually going to be, who's, who's the rightful leader in the rightful place. In the same way, prophetically speaking, if you've got options and you don't know which one to take and it's not clear, lay them out before the Lord. 
pray about them and eventually one of them will bud and it'll be like, actually, that's the way I want to go. I don't even know why I was thinking about these other options. Lay them out before God and that'll be the direction that God wants you to go. We need to listen to our heart when it comes to God's direction. Second time the Bible says we can listen to our heart is in regards to giving. Giving. Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now I've heard people use that scripture out of context as a justification for not giving. You can't actually use that verse to justify not giving. Let's read it. The Apostle Paul says, So, let each one give. <laughs> You're all going to give. <laughs> Amen. But the way we would decide is by what's in your heart, not your head. Have you ever had a time when your heart wanted to give an amount that your head didn't like? Well, the Bible says we're actually supposed to listen to our heart. I use this uh, principle when it comes to uh, giving in offerings. You know, and I'm not talking about, um, you know, tithes and offerings, tithes or anything like that. I'm talking about just random offerings. I use that principle all the time by what's in my heart. Remember a number of years ago, uh, we were at a conference and, and uh, we were praying on the, after, I was praying in the afternoon uh, for an amount to bring to the conference that night on the last night. And um, as I was praying, I just really felt strongly I wanted to give $500. So I went and spoke to my wife, Trish. I said, babe, uh, I want to give in the offering tonight. Uh, she goes, no worries. I said, how much, she goes, uh, she, uh, I said, how much do you want to give? And she said, oh, well, how much do you want to give? And I said, well, how much do you want to give? And she goes, well, what do you want to give? And I said, listen. And I said, okay, I want to give $500. She goes, okay, what do we have in the bank? I said, we have $100. <laughs> and she said, so if we've only got $100, how are you going to give $500? Now, this is just a testimony. I'm not saying you've got to do what I did, but I'm just telling you what I did, okay? And so I just said, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give, I'm going to um, just put it on the credit card and put it in. She goes, what? You're going to go into debt over an offering? I said, Yes, I am. She goes, that's a bit unwise, don't you think? Shouldn't we just give what we have, $100? I said, okay, all right, no worries. So went to the meeting that night. I was actually emceeing the meeting. I was standing on stage, but someone else was, uh, was sharing a message around the offering. And as I was sharing the message, I'm standing back here. And honestly, it's like a big neon sign in front of my eyes. 500, 500, 500. Then this little guy with a pitchfork jumped on my shoulder and said, no, you can't afford it. That's crazy. You don't even have $500. 500, 500, 500. No, that's unwise. But I thought to myself, you know, I just want to give $500. Now, this is just my testimony. I'm not telling you to do this. But I started trying to get my wife's attention on the front row. And I'm ducking down behind the preacher and I'm trying to get her attention and she's trying to ignore me. <laughs> and I said, and she's looking at me. I said, get the credit card slip out. So she got the credit card slip out. She wrote on it, she put it in the bucket, and it went. Soon as it went in the bucket, the neon sign left, and the little guy on my shoulder stayed. What you do that for? That's crazy. Wait till people find out. That's irresponsible. You're a pastor. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to walk down and pick it out of the bucket. I'll just leave it there. Afterwards, at the end of the meeting, I went out for dinner and came back and then helped out with the rest of the clean-up. And as I walked in, one of the ushers came up to me and said, Pastor Ben, there's a couple of envelopes been left behind with your name on it. I said, okay. And so I opened the first envelope and inside was $200 cash. And then opened the second envelope and inside was $200 cash. The $400 difference between the 100 I had and the 500 I gave, God supplied 
straight away. Amen? Um, there are times when God will speak to our heart about giving an amount our head doesn't like. And very often that's an opportunity to prove his lordship over our life. The Bible says you can't serve God and money. It doesn't say you can't have God and money. Amen. It says you can't serve God and money. What does that mean? It depends on who we're listening to. And there are times the Lord will speak to us about us telling our money where to go. And before we give it to landlord and MasterCard, there are times when we need to... <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> and we tell it where to go sometimes to prove his lordship. And you'll be amazed at incredible things that God does. I better tell you another story to make my wife look better. Um, there was another time we are at a conference and in the afternoon we we're praying about what to give. And I went to my wife and said, I want to be generous in the offering tonight. She said, so do I. I said, what do you want to give? She goes, well, what do you want to give? I said, well, what do you want to give? She goes, what do you want to give? And I said, well, what? And I wanted to give $700. And I thought to myself, mate, that, 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 that's a stretch. She's not going to want to give that. But, and I said, listen, why don't we just give? Because what I want to give is probably going to be way more than what you want to give. Let's just give what you want to give, okay? And she goes, all right, I want to give $2,150. <laughs> I said, What? $2,150. I said, why $2,150? Why so specific? Can't we just round it down? <laughs> How about two grand? $1,800? $1,500? Why? What? The conference doesn't even need the money. I said, that's what we've got in our bank account. Why do you want to give $2,150? And this is what she said to me. She said, and we had just, we had just left Bible college probably 18 months before. Uh, were believing God for a house and we were really struggling to save any money and only had a couple of grand in the bank and finances were really tight and, and she said she and she said well I was praying and the Lord told me to I said Lord I'm believing you for a house and she felt the Lord tell her to go and uh, get a um, get a real estate guide out at the time this is obviously a long time ago and, and uh, to look for the kind of house that she wanted in that market and the kind of house that she wanted in that market was worth about 215000 and she felt the Holy Spirit say to her so a, so a 1% seed to believe for a breakthrough when she said that i was like sounds like god okay <laughs> so that night we went to the conference and uh, i wrote a check remember them checks and <laughs> wrote a check and and i remember they were doing taking the offering up the front they had buckets up the front and and so i came in and when it was time to give i walked up to the front and put my offering in the bucket as i did it kind of lipped over the edge started talking to me you need me man don't do this you'll never see me again and and everything in me wanted to just grab it and put it back in my pocket but i couldn't because i was a pastor and everyone's looking at me so <laughs> so i went back and sat down felt terrible over the next few weeks our finances got worse every day i was thinking to myself gee i wish i had that two thousand one hundred fifty dollars around about now and then one day I got a phone call and the person on the other end of the line said, I want to give you some money to go towards your first house. I said, praise the Lord, how much? And they said, 14000 I said, thank you very much. And <laughs> then over the next six months, unsolicited, we had come in um, and unearned about another 22000 and we able to sign a contract on our first house and then we sold it and built our first house and then sold it two and a half years later for 150 times what we first sold. If you look through this, amen, uh, if you look through the scripture, there are many, many times when people received a breakthrough as a result of giving. 
In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 6, there's three things that will get you a breakthrough. One is, uh, one is prayer, another one is fasting, and another one is giving. And sometimes you can tell when God's getting you ready for a breakthrough because you'll just have in your heart a desire to be generous. This is not just for offerings, this is for everyday life. That there are times when you just have a desire to be generous towards someone. And, but the amazing thing is that when you do that, you can sometimes position yourself to be the answer to somebody else's prayer. The Bible says in Luke 6.38, Give and it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will men pour into your lap. If you're like me, you think, okay, if I give, then it's going to be given back to me. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. But who is it that God uses to give back to me? Well, the King James Version says it very clearly. Men. People. Have you ever been one of those guys? Have you ever been one of those people that if God has used to be an answer to somebody else's prayer? When I was at Bible college, I was behind on my fees and so I had to make a deal with God. You've got to be careful when you make a deal with God. And the deal with God I made was that, Lord, you know, because any, any gifts I get of $100 or more, I'll give 10% to church, I'll, I'll give 50% away and I'll, I'll use 40% on myself. As soon as I made that man unsolicited, I just kept had money coming at me left, right and centre. And so I'd go down the college registrar and I thought, well, I've got to give away 50%. I thought, well, why not give it to Bible college students? I know a lot of them are struggling. So I'd go to the college registrar and I'd say, listen, I'll put this amount off my account. Who's behind on their account? She'd tell me someone's name and I'd put it on their account. Anyway, at Bible college, we used to have a chapel service every day and I think it was Tuesday. Tuesday was known as Testimony Tuesday. Well, for months... People were getting up at college at Testimony Tuesday and they were saying, I was behind on my fees. Then I went to the college registrar. She said, somebody paid my fees. God paid my fees. I remember sitting there thinking, that wasn't God, that was me. <laughs> but it was God. Have you ever been one of those guys? An answer to somebody's prayer. And you'll just know because you'll come across somebody's path and then your heart will be moved to be generous towards them. I mean, let's, let's, you know, we need to have sensitivity to know where the desires come from. I mean, there's probably three origins of a desire. One of the origins of a desire is our flesh. So think about it. I want to give. My flesh wants to give my money away. Probably not. <laughs> is it demonic? Is it the devil? The devil wants me to bless somebody. Probably not. <laughs> it's probably God. And you'll know... Because you'll just come across someone's path or something will move you. And that's a sign from the Lord. He wants you to be generous to them. Amen? We need to listen to our heart when it comes to giving. And the third time we need to listen to our heart is when God wants us to minister to somebody. You know, the Bible says that there were many times that when Jesus would minister to somebody in power, before he did, he was moved with compassion for them. What does that mean? He had a desire to do it. It was almost like a trigger it was almost like an ignition for him to minister to somebody because so often through the scripture, it says that he was moved with compassion for them first. I'll give you a couple of examples. One we'll have on the screen. Matthew 14, 14. When Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and he healed their sick. Matthew 20, 34. So Jesus had compassion, touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. So Jesus would be moved with compassion for somebody and that was a sign for him to minister to them. The same can happen to us as well. That we could be about our business, doing our thing, 
and then our heart is moved with compassion to somebody. If our heart is moved with compassion for somebody, that's not a sign to ask the pastor to come and pray for them. That's actually a sign that God wants us to do something about it. It's not the job of a pastor to do all the ministry. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, God gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, pastors, teachers and evangelists, whose job was to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The job of the pastor is not to do all the ministry, but to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Jesus said, greater works than he did, we will do. What's he talking about there? He's talking about works of power. We are God's representatives. We are his ambassadors. We are his hands and feet. We are the ones that he is going to use to touch people's lives. And you will know when God is calling you into action because you'll be about your business and then your heart will be moved towards somebody. And that's a sign that he wants us to do something about it. Many years ago, um, lying in bed, it's late at night and... and uh, as, uh, and about to go to sleep, and and then I heard, and then my wife and I we heard what we thought was a cat on the roof meowing, meow meow. And then my wife said to me, Trish said, I don't think the cat's on the roof. I think that cat's in the roof. And I'm like, no. And then we heard it. And we heard it scratching the ceiling. And I thought, how did a cat get in the roof? And then I realised what had happened. Earlier in the week, a workman had come to work in our ceiling, removed a tile left had forgotten to replace the tile came back a few days later and replaced the tile so in the meantime the cat had come in and was in the ceiling and uh and and trish said look we've got to get it out you know it's going to cook otherwise because it's pretty hot and so we went over to the manhole and um i sent trish up and um (laughs) it was better for the cat you know um Trisha's smaller than me. She could fit in the crevices. And she's a banana farmer's daughter from far north Queensland. You know what I'm saying? She's hardcore. Anyway, so, <laughs> so she went up and I heard her calling out to the cat, here, puss, puss, here, puss, puss. And, and I hear the cat, cat meowing. And then Trish called back to me. She said, Ben, I can't reach it. It's down in a crevice hiding from me. It won't come out. So then we went and we got some um, food and some milk and put it near the entrance to the manhole trying to attract the cat. And the cat just wasn't wasn't coming so the next morning uh, I uh, thought to myself well we need to do something about it need to get it get a cat trap it's like yeah not not one that kills them but (laughs) someone like yeah right good um (laughs) one that catches it humanely and so uh and so I looked up in the yellow pages for cat traps and lo and behold someone was renting out cat traps in our street I'm like praise the lord God has gone ahead of us. He knows that he already knew ahead of time what I needed, you know. And uh, and so I rang up the number and lady answered the phone and she goes, yeah, come over later on this afternoon and pick it up. And and, and I remember thinking to myself, we lived in a very long street and um, and it was a, quite a new area. But there was one particular house that was really overgrown. And I remember thinking to myself, I wonder if it's that house. Well, sure enough, I drive around it was that house. I walk up the front steps, knock on the door. A gentleman opened the door. He goes, yeah, what do you want? I said, I'm, I'm, I'm here for the cat trap. He goes, oh, all right. Hey, love, there's a bloke here for the cat trap. So I'm standing in the entrance and I look down the hallway down the side and this lady comes out. She would have been in her 30s but very, very frail. She had a walking frame. She walks up to me. 
I remember thinking to myself, what happened to this lady? I said, uh, she, I said hi, I spoke to you before, I'm here for the catch-up. She goes, oh, no worries, follow me. She takes me out to the back deck and out there's just all these cat traps piled up like she was like really into it. And, <laughs> and she picked out one, she goes, that one in there, grab, grab that one. So I grabs it, she goes, put on my frame, I put it on her frame. She starts showing me how to use the cat trap. Well, while she's doing that, I'm thinking to myself, what happened to this lady? She was like an invalid. My heart went towards her. After she showed me, I said, oh, how much is it? She goes, oh, $20 deposit, $5 a day. I said, no worries, here's a $20. And I grabbed it and there was a lot of people in the house at the time and I just walked out. And when I walked out, I thought to myself, oh, I wish I had prayed for her. We went home, set up the cat trap. As we did, the cat walked over to the manhole. We picked it up and brought it down. I remember thinking to myself, what was that all about? Why did I waste all my... Oh. I think I was setting up a divine appointment. Rang the lady, went back the next day, and when I went there, she, she was there by herself. I saw one other lady. I could see down the hallway, there was one other lady. It was almost like she was her carer, and I could see almost like a hospital bed set up in her bedroom. She came out, and, and uh, she said to me, Oh, I said, hey, I didn't have to use the cat trap. I said, we got it out straight away. She goes, oh, that's good. She goes, I'll get you change for you. I said, no, that's okay. You just keep it. She goes, oh, really? She goes, that's a lot of money for us. I said, listen, don't worry about it. I said, hey, if you don't mind me asking, what happened to you? And she says, well, I was at work. Something landed on me. I've been an invalid ever since. I've been in constant pain and it's been chronic. Well, as soon as she says that, I've got two options. Option one, oh, that's a shame. Hope you, hope you go see Morris Blackburn. I'm sure they'll be able to help you out. Or option two, which I took. Hey, I'm a Christian. Is it okay if I pray for you? And I thought you'd say to me, get away from me, you religious freak. <laughs> but she didn't. She said, okay. And I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> so I prayed for her. And as I was praying for her, the presence of God came she threw a frame away no that didn't happen Um, (laughs) but that's not the moral of the story today after praying for I said listen I'm a pastor from a church nearby and we're given uh, we're given you know hampers Christmas hampers to people who might need them uh, for this Christmas season I said are you interested she goes oh that would be good I was out looking for a cat trap and my heart was moved that was a sign for me to do something about it. I told you last time that our house got flooded, Brisbane floods of 2011. We moved back in 11 months after the flood. When we moved back in, I was just at home and one of my neighbours from two doors down, a guy named Russell, came over to my place. And I remember he walks up my driveway. I said, g'day Russ, what are you up to? And he said, oh Ben, I've got this DVD for you. And what it was, was that he had actually, he was one of, if you remember, there was a couple of guys that rode out the flood in their tinny uh, and he was one of the guys and he took video footage. So what happened was as people returned to their houses, he actually gave us the video footage and put together a DVD of what he saw at that time, which was awesome. We were talking and I said to him, hey, Russ, it was the middle of the day. I said, Russ, why aren't you at work? He goes, oh, Ben. He goes, I was lifting something at work a few weeks ago, hurt my back. It's been killing me and it's not hasn't gotten any better. Well, as soon as he says that, I've got two options. 
Option one, oh, that's a shame. Hope you got work cover. Or option two, which I took. Hey, Russ, I'm a Christian. Is it okay if I pray for you? Now, this guy, I thought there's no way he would want me to pray for him. But he said, oh, all right. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Completely threw me. I did everything wrong. I forgot to tell him to close his eyes. <laughs> I didn't have the courage to put my hand on his shoulder. So I just stepped back from him a couple of steps. I start praying for him like this. One eye open, looking at him. And I'm praying. The whole time he's just staring at me because I... I said, Lord, I pray for Russ's back. I pray make it better. In Jesus' name, amen. Then I opened my, eye, my other eye. And, <laughs> and the whole time he was staring at me. And then after I stopped praying, he kept staring at me. So I just stared at him. <laughs> for about 10 seconds. And I remember thinking to myself, this guy thinks I'm a fruit loop. <laughs> and then he started speaking. He goes, and my sons were in the front lounge room. He goes, hey, Ben, you know, I grew up in the kind of household that you're raising your kids up in. And he said, I walked away from all of that, but I think that I want to raise my kids the way you're raising your kids. I said, oh, uh, do you want to come to church? And he said, yeah. And he came to church. I was at home and a bloke brought over a DVD. And then an opportunity came. And there was my choice. Do I step in or do I deflect? You know what I'm talking about, huh? We get opportunities, but then we sometimes deflect them more than step into them. You know, I want to release you today. And I told you stories about people that didn't get healed. But some people do get healed. And I'll be honest with you, I can't tell when it's going to happen. I hear people say to me all the time, you know, what's the key to the power of God? What's the key to seeing the power of God? And you see people, they go do courses, you know, and spend big money, go overseas to see, you know, to learn how to move in the power of God. I just want to save you a whole lot of money today and just tell you the key to moving in the power of God. Here's the key to moving in the power of God. Have a go, mate. <clears throat> it's not my job to have someone's heart open. It's not my job to get them saved. It's not my job to get them healed. But it is my job to have a go. And the more you have a go, the more that you're going to see. That's why the Apostle Paul, he prayed his number one prayer. If you read his, the, uh, the Scriptures, he always prayed for boldness because he knew it was our job to have a go. There have been times when people have said they don't want me to pray for them. That's still not my problem. remember one time I was buying a lawnmower off a man and I went in there and he's talking about how, how he's all sickened and got all these issues going on. And I said to him, oh, hey, sir, I'm a pastor at a church, Christian pastor. Is it okay if I pray for you? I'd love to pray for you if you want. And he goes, oh, it's okay, son. Don't worry about it. I'm in the Lions Club. <laughs> now, I don't know what that means. <laughs> but it's not my problem. It's All my job is is to have a go. And you know when God's calling you to action because you'll be about your business and your heart will be moved. You don't even need another night of evangelism. You can have a great family life, have a great business, have a social life, watch Hawthorne win the flag again. You can, <laughs> you can do all these things, have hobbies, be part of a great church and in the midst of all of that, your heart will be moved. 
And my question is this. Are you going to step in or deflect? My prayer for you today is that you will step in to the opportunities that God gives. I know what it's like to live a life of continual deflection. It's a life of continual frustration. It's a life that's saying, you know what? Oh, I wish I had stepped out. I wish I had done that. And I believe there are some people here that God is going to use mightily when instead of deflecting, you just start more often than not stepping in to the opportunities that God brings. Amen. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.